Hi, my name's Maddie Braddon. Thank you for listening to my flood story here on Widjibal Wyabal land in the Bundjalung Nation. Aboriginal people have lived here for thousands of years and know what it's like to live on a floodplain. Today, I'd like you to head out of the quad towards Keene Street. When you get there, turn left and walk up to the next corner where I'd like you to turn right. You're going to come down with me to the Rose Garden on Molesworth Street, right next to the Transit Centre, which also happens to be the Lismore Environment Centre. So my flood story actually begins on the Thursday at the Lismore Greyhound Track. I was with my family who worked there at the time and all I remember is getting a call from mum saying that I needed to come and help pack up the Greyhound Track. And I was like, why? I knew there was a bunch of rain coming, but I'd never been through a big flood like that before and I had no idea what it was going to be like. I remember a couple of um, conversations between different workers at the Greyhound Track. Um, An older one was debating with a younger one about whether there would be a need to lift a TV to a certain height, but we ended up moving all this stuff up above ground and that was when I was like, wow, this must be, this must be a big one. During this time, I was 22 and I'd actually just finished an internship with the group Australian Farmers for Climate Action and had just been finding myself as a young climate activist. So seeing and hearing that we were about to experience a big flood and knowing what I know about climate change made it all feel so real and I was very worried and unsure about what was about to unfold. The rain had come and it was dark and I remember mum tied a big wheelie bin to a pole because we, we knew that the wheelie bin with the rain that was coming down could actually float away. So I remember running with mum to help secure this giant wheelie bin and then it was this mad rush to get to my little Mazda across the road the Symes Bridge had gone under at this point and we had to walk across the road in knee-deep water. I held my mum's hand because I was so scared and I'd never had to walk through water like that before. It felt like we were there for a long time even though we were getting across quite quickly. It just felt heavy and this sense of the water is going to get higher and I was really scared about the drive home. I knew that we had about a 45-minute drive before I'd actually be safe at home in my bed. And luckily, that was a reality for me. I know that others in town would have been much more fearful about their homes and their beds going under. Perhaps you're nearly at the Rose Garden now, and you'll see a low stone wall, which is actually part of the levee. This part of town is much higher than Symes Bridge. Symes Bridge is one of the first places to go under and lots of locals know that. The drive home was actually terrifying. It was torrential rain and I was so scared. I remember shrieking at my mum, asking her to drive safely to get us home because I was really unsure that we should even be on the roads with that rain. Thankfully, we made it home. And 
I remember that night looking at my Facebook feed and just seeing all of the people who lived in town describing their fear about the rain and describing their thoughts about how the levee might overtop from this cyclone rain that was coming and that was happening. I woke up at 3am after having a nightmare about the flood and about my car getting washed away and I think that was because of the car trip home and I didn't go back to sleep. I stayed on Facebook watching the devastation unfold, watching people talk about the alarms and the sirens that had gone off with the evacuation warnings and with the recognition that the levee was overtopping. And I just remember feeling this total dread about the town, the town that I'd grown up in, experiencing this devastation that was about to unfold. For the next two days, I spent all day, I pulled like 14 hour, 15 hour days um, on Facebook, noticing what was going on and feeling helpless not knowing how I could help being out of town the way that I was. And I felt given that I'd had some experience using social media to mobilize people and connect people to like climate action and environmental activism and all that kind of thing, I thought, well, what can I offer right now? I had the idea to create a Facebook group and I thought I can do that. That's something I can do. I reached out through a well-known Lismore Facebook group and said, who wants to be on my admin team? Who wants to help me make this online space to connect people who needed help with people who were willing to offer help? So we built a team, an online team of people that had never met each other. It was such a collaborative effort and a lot of people jumped on board. The Facebook group was created as a way to connect people and mobilize people to support each other during this immediate flood recovery. It was a space where people could ask for help and say what they needed and people could also offer all manner of support. It was, there were tradies, there were you know people offering to bring cakes to people's houses, there was people offering clothes all sorts of things. It was beautiful. So originally I named the group Lismore After Flood Cleanup. We later named it Lismore Helping Hands, which just felt like more of a community support network. We had over 5,000, 6,000 people in a number of days. It was probably 48 hours. It was massive. It had taken on a life of its own. It was almost like a second flood of people, a wave of support, and it was becoming unwieldy. So three of us decided that we would meet up in person and go visit the local Lismore SES unit to have a chat with them about this online space that we had created, about what was happening on the ground with people helping each other, and see if we could somehow connect in with the SES and find out how we could mobilise and coordinate on ground with volunteers. You know, we had different conversations with people there and they said, you know what, go for it. Do what you can, have a chat with council, see if you can connect people on ground. We learned that later on we were, we were actually called spontaneous volunteers. 
we didn't know that we had a name. We were just community rolling up our sleeves, doing what we could to help each other. So we went to council and eventually we connected with Ellie Bird, a counsellor who also happened to be a leader of the Gasfield Free Northern Rivers social movement, a movement which not long before the flood protected our region from invasive coal seam gas. Meeting Ellie at that time was magical and there was this huge sense of we can do this. We were granted access to the South Lismore train station The train station is actually just on the other side of the river from where you are right now. So it was just before Easter and the doors opened to the train station and by this point we had a solid team of like 10 or 15 gas-field-free community leaders who had mobilised back then and were now ready to roll up their sleeves and help get community volunteers in and created what we called rainbow teams. So... People would come into the train station and their skills and passions and interests and time that they had were totally catered for. They were put into teams based on their skills, their ability to communicate, whether they were a bit of a handy person, whether they had a gurney or not, whether they had a phone that they could communicate with. And then there were like all-rounder peoples who would help keep the group comfy and safe and fed. So at the same time, people could come to the train station and say, I live just around the corner and I need help with these things. We had a comprehensive job logging system where people could also online fill out what their needs were. And so we also had a whole back room of people at the train station who were going through these different jobs, logging jobs, and then sending them on little clipboards up to the volunteer hub. We had these rainbow teams and they were sent out to sweep out people's homes, you know, like help get rubbish out, gurney the place. They were sent out to wipe mould off walls that had already started to form and to generally deliver food and uplift the spirits and and just chat to people about how they were going and what they might need when they get to their houses. Funnily enough, I never actually made it out of the train station. I was too busy live streaming and capturing the beautiful moments that were happening to try and actually attract more volunteers to come. I was kind of ready to greet people and that was such a special role So during this otherwise really stressful and devastating time, we wanted to provide a space at the train station that could put a smile back on people's faces. And that's, in most cases, that's exactly what we did because we had smiling volunteers, we had food and hot cups of tea. You know, people actually came to give massages to volunteers and we had people reach out to us saying that they'd be happy to deliver a flash mob workshop out the front. And there was also a silent disco at one point. There was kids face painting. There was constant barbecues out the front from these incredible, incredible women who, you know, worked really long hours keeping people fed. It was amazing. I'm going to tell you what happened next, but First, I'd like you to start walking back towards our beautiful quadrangle. 
So I definitely cried more times than I can remember and so many other people, there were big hugs and tears from people who were affected directly by the flood, who had lost everything. The looks on their faces when they had just, you know, been given some help and support, whether it was a voucher or something, you know, we ended up having a total grassroots community-led relief centre in a way that was right in the flood zone. We had been operating Helping Hands at the train station for three long, tiring weeks. It felt like months. We came to the sense that it needed to close down. We couldn't sustain ourselves at the level that we were. And it was time for the community to bring its own level of normality back into place. But the train station in some ways never really closed because the connections and the friendships that were built and strengthened and created over that time have lasted. Lismore Helping Hands has continued to actually stay together as a little group and we've really learned a lot around disaster recovery and what it means to be a resilient community. You know, that's everything that Lismore is. It's our farmers markets, it's our activism history and our continued legacy of getting together and helping each other. As you cross over to Keene Street and back onto the footpath towards the quad and near the con, see if you can see a big pole. It's got paintings all over it. Get up really close. This pole really symbolises our connection to this place and our identity as a flood town. We live on a river and... As a community, we, we mustn't ever forget that. We are part of this natural environment and the spirit that we created together with Lismore Helping Hands and what we did back at that time will always live on in us here in Lismore. And I really hope that if there was anything else like that, a flood, a fire, I really hope that we continue to come together the way that we did back then. Now I'm 25 and the flood actually changed my life in a really big way. Climate justice is a big passion of mine and I've realised the human face of climate change. I'm really grateful for everything I learned during the flood and the experiences I've had since then. I've had the privilege to get to work in local research around how the floods affected our mental health and what made us resilient. I feel empowered that if there was another disaster that I'd be able to help mobilise in a similar way and hopefully encourage and inspire others to step up and know that they can use their skills and that they'll be welcome. And I hope that you know that you will be valued and that your skills would be needed if Lismore or any of the towns around us experience a flood or a fire again. And we will. Thank you for hearing my flood story. And now could you please take your raincoat, your gumboots and your headphones back to the shipping container in the quad. <laughs>